Welcome to In The Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. Welcome back, everyone, to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm really excited to have on today's call Amber Hawken, who's the creator of AmberHawken.com and the author of a newly released book that we'll get to in just a second. But before we do, Amber has a diploma of mindfulness-based cognitive behavioral therapy. She's a qualified neuro-linguistic program practitioner and a deep state repatterning therapist. And those are just some of the professional qualifications and tools that Amber brings to her work around emotional, mental, and spiritual self-mastery. She also has a podcast, a YouTube channel, a very popular blog, and uh, is, has done some just really incredible work in the online space with her brand and the work she delivers. So Amber, thank you so much for being on the call with us today. Thank you for having me, Tom. It's an absolute honor. Yeah. So I guess I'll preface by saying that those who are listening, there may be some swears in, in today's episode. And, and partly because, uh, and maybe that's the first question is, Amber, you chose a very unique name for your, the title of your book. I think you actually got some pushback when you did this at first, if I'm not mistaken. But tell me a little bit about the book and why you titled it what you titled it. Yeah, sure. So for those listening, hopefully you've got your headphones in or pop those headphones in if you have kids around, just a pre-warning. Sure. Uh, it's called The Unfuckwithable Life. So I, I did get some pushback, not a lot. Um, right. Definitely not from my market because I've always communicated, not so much you know, with profanity, but I've been always very open and I'm always... I tend to communicate in a probably what might seem a counterintuitive way around personal development. So it wasn't unexpected from my audience, but from some really powerful mentors, I could see they were uncomfortable with it, um, which really drove me to do it. <laughs> so, because, you know, when, when we're erring on that edge of discomfort and we're kind of pushing the lines of what's out there, we know we're on the right track. And I didn't choose it because... I wanted to swear and it was a big decision because it's my first book, Tom. So I thought, am I really going to do this? Am I really going to put the word fuck in my book title? And when we look at the word, it's been on Urban Dictionary for a couple of years time. I could not find the original author of it, no matter how hard I tried. And there's another book with the word unfuckable as one of the chapters. And so I read that book to try and see if they found mm. it and they didn't either. They just referenced again, Urban Dictionary. So <laughs> the meaning on Urban Dictionary means like a connection and inner peace so no one can fuck with you and no negativity can touch you. So I adjusted it a little to suit exactly the message that I try and get out there, which is to use connection and authenticity and connection and vulnerability really to create a life of inspiration and freedom. Awesome. So again, I, you know, bold choice and I think it's going to stand out, which is cool. So tell me a little bit about the background of this though, because obviously the book is a, you know, the essence of, of the work you've done before. And it's, you know, a compilation of, of a lot of things you've done in the past. So tell me a little bit about what like led you to writing the book and, and producing it. Some of the work you've done in the space. Yeah, absolutely. So around probably five years ago or so, I started, um, I was a personal trainer amongst the other things that, that I've done. I did that 
to get through university actually um, when I was studying radiation therapy and I just picked up personal training, kept it because it was fun. And I landed a job with giant, boot, like massive boot camps, thousands of women in a couple of years. And I saw this deep, just disconnection of people with themselves. And it created this deep angst, anxiety, stress, um, most of all, like the behaviors such as emotional eating and binging and all that kind of stuff, or, or you know, becoming overweight, depressed, but basically this despise for themselves. And it really triggered me because the biggest thing that really gets under my skin, Tom, is people wasting their potential, but they don't know what they don't know. And so this really drove me to delve further into human behavior and understanding pain, understanding fear, understanding people's desire to escape or this trying to change their body to make them happy. You know, we've all heard it and we've all done it. I've done it. I've looked in the mirror and gone, I'm not good enough because I'm not this shape or things like that. Anyway, so what I found after a lot of research was that the same fear, that same anxiety, that same emptiness inside stimulated people to the short-term stimulation addiction and the body image or the want for the body was just one of these addictions and so originally I wrote it to help people overcome like a negative body image and then I just kept digging and digging and digging and I realized that the core reason that we have this impulse this desire to escape this stimulus addiction that most of us don't even realize are there we don't take seriously is because we're so disconnected from who we really are. We're born into this society that tells us just be you, but conditioned, you know, be like this. And this is what's going to make you happy. And this is what's going to make you successful. And this is what's going to make you attractive. And so we are disconnected from ourselves. And so this, we don't feel we have purpose or we don't have purpose or meaning in our life because we're just following what we think we should. And so that leaves this emptiness inside, which then gets filled with sex, drugs, alcohol, Facebook, um, validation from the outside world is probably the biggest one, a victim mentality. And it just broke me. You know, I thought, oh my gosh, well, you know, myself as, as well, I'm not, I'm not um, immune to this, <laughs> to this short-term stimulation coming into my life, but anything can be used as a drug. So I wrote the book to be able to help us understand that it's vulnerability and opening up and and taking off those masks and finding a deep purpose within yourself to just be you, not to go out and, you know, I I hate the term, go find what your purpose is. It's like, no, you just have to be yourself. It'll show up. So connection and vulnerability are at the core of an unfuckwithable life. And I really think that now more than ever, we need that in this world. We need to understand that and, and live through that because people, you know, we're spiraling as a society. Um, So that's, that's the core behind it. And then a lot of other study as well. <laughs> sure. So, so tell me this though, you, you mentioned kind of at the end of that, that the, the key to overcoming, and I think you said short-term stimulation, do you ever call it short-term addiction or, or was there any other terms you give that? Absolutely. So short-term stimulation addiction, 100% in the book I term, mm-hmm. I've kind of put together what I call the seven F's, which really summarizes the things that we indulge in. Um, I guess you could say, and it really shows us where, like the different behaviors. So it kind of puts it into different categories, if that makes sense. Can you, can you give us a rundown of those seven Fs? Yeah, of course. There's, there's, there's some swearing just to heads up. But <laughs> okay. I, I, feel like you, I, <laughs> I feel like you would know that. 
So a false identity is probably the biggest one that's really important that, you know, if I get anything across, it's that, um, mm. which is really that we get addicted to this sense of self of who we think we are we really struggle to not identify with, I guess, what you would call our self-perception, which some people might know as the ego, right? So we get stuck in this identity of, of who we think we are and we live through that. So it's, it's a facade, right? It's a false identity. So that's an F. Then there's fashion. So things that everyone else is doing. It's like, okay, the primitive brain says, if I do this, then I'll be loved and accepted. And that, that part of our mind is there for that. But unfortunately... That is never really what we want. And again, that's as soon as we're doing something that's not authentic to us, Tom, and this is the key to understand, as soon as we're outside our own values, it's like that instant. And even if it's in that moment, that impulse is there because that emptiness is there. So it's like, oh, and you feel it and then you're disconnected. And then then that's when we indulge in these seven Fs, right? So I just thought that might be good to clarify. So fashion so it's like what is everyone else doing and then there's there's fucking so people will use intimacy or they will use a relationship to escape which is obviously very very and never ends well we know that we've probably all been in that place where we want someone to make us happy we want someone to fill us up and it just it never ends well but like think about tinder you know think about that kind of stuff people are just you know it's that swipe right or swipe left or whatever it is is that world where that's where people are going for that validation they don't feel good enough they don't feel empty so they go to sex or some form of intimacy Mm. and then food you know we all know that one we've all been there and it's one that's probably so overlooked because it's right in front of us and it's so easily abused because it's something that's there but how often do we just walk to the fridge because we're bored or we just walk to the fridge because we've had a hard day and it really is a form of escapism these seven f's and then there's fabricated highs so the the ones that we probably refer to addiction in a clinical sense which is you know drugs cigarettes alcohol Mm -hmm. and stuff like that so anything to escape the seven f's help us escape from discomfort and then fame so approval and validation but i guess at a whole new level so that Mm. desire that impulse that need to be important that need to be approved of and then fortune so we're very conditioned especially in the western world to associate success with with money but i don't know if you've you've probably met uh plenty of business people in your time and and i've you know had the honor of meeting some people who have made billions and they are so deeply depressed and empty because money expands what you already are Mm -hmm. so if you're going to money because you feel greedy and empty and you know selfish and you need that power it will only expand that within you so they're the seven f's and any of those can be used because we can use anything as a drug it's anything to change our emotional state to escape from what we're currently feeling that discomfort because we're disconnected and we've got this facade on and we're not being vulnerable we're not being real so we feel uncomfortable deep deep down And then we use these to escape. It's like a numbing agent. Yeah. You know, I I see a parallel too. And I don't know if I'm the only one catching this. Maybe I am. I don't know if this was intentional, but the parallel maybe is because the seven to the seven like deadly sins, conceptually speaking. Oh, I actually didn't even think of that. Yeah. So there's probably a deeper layer here, you know, I think, which is, is fascinating because yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think these are great ways to identify them in today's day and age. Yep. And I'm, I'm curious with like the way you view this and, and with the work you've done with people, do you find that there's like a specific 
F so to speak, that most people are like, that's the thing that gets everybody. Or is it really just, I don't know. Like, I guess I'm just curious. Like, I mean, I'm sure we all struggle with each of these to some degree or another, no matter mm. who you are. But I'm curious if you found like in your time that like, yeah, the one that's most, and you maybe you mentioned it, fortune, like in the Western society. I'm just curious what's the most common or if there is any most common like short-term addiction that people deal with. Totally. It would be false identity. Interesting. So, we don't even realize how conditioned our own mind is. I mean, there's Dr. Bruce Lipton teaches us that there's about 95% of everything that we do is driven from our unconscious mind. And so can I trip people out for a second, Tom? Yeah. <laughs> I've got this, um, it's a metaphor or it might be a simile, actually the term, because it's like this. So if you imagine our brain or our mind, not our brain, sorry, our mind as a projector. So if we're at the movies, mm-hmm. what we see on the screen is the reel that we put in the projector. Mm-hmm. What goes in the projector of our minds is what we see, what's already in there, right? So what's already in our subconscious or our unconscious mind, unconscious thinking when our mind is just go, 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 or what we direct in there. Most people don't even realize that there's a difference between who they are and that sense of self that's very unconsciously just, you know, when, whenever we're thinking, oh, this is me and this is, this is who I am and all of that stuff. But most of us, are so disconnected from a deeper level that we're not really who we think we are. Mm. We're, we're what's underneath that. And what that means is that we're kind of living in this way that we've probably learned between the ages of zero and seven. We've picked up the behaviors or we've, we've realized, okay, so when I do this, that's when I get validated or that's when I get love or that's when I'm important. And then we watch everyone else. Okay. So the world tells me that when I have this body or when I have this money or when I have this boyfriend or when I have this car, then I will get love and significance. And it's a very primitive part of us, right? It's a survival. Mm-hmm. So we pick up all of these habits and all of these behaviors by being told what we should do and who we should be. And then what we tell ourselves we are. So it might be like, well, I'm just an anxious person or I'm just an introvert or I'm just this, or I'm just, you know, all of the stories we tell ourselves, the ones that are planted in our subconscious. And that's what we live through. And that's the biggest biggest cause of disconnection and emptiness because like I said when we're disconnected from what you know Demartini refers to it as our, as our telos mm-hmm. I think it's a Greek term for our purpose so when we're disconnected from that and I believe our purpose is just to be us just to show up and live like you don't have to do anything you just have to be who you are and the stuff on the outside shows up so when we're not doing that that's when that short-term stimulation addiction is at it at its highest or we're subject to it the most. And what does it mean though, to like kind of be yourself and show up? Cause again, with there's like layers and layers of this stuff too, it's pretty hard to figure that out. It really is. And I guess that that's the, that's the thing that there is no one way. And most of it is probably conscious awareness of what your habit, like your habitual way of being is. Look at the behaviors. You could ask yourself, say, if you're listening to this, you could just try and observe what behaviors you do that in some way, shape or form, because a lot of us don't want to be honest with ourselves. We don't want to admit it, but in some way, shape or form, it's because we get validation from it because we get significance from it. And that that is the core reason. It's not a bad thing if we want love or if we want validation, that's not, that's not a bad thing. It's just if we're relying on it to make us feel okay, to make us feel safe. So observing your behaviors and asking, what am I doing just because I thought that that's what I should do or because that's what I thought, who I thought I should be. And like the, the most obvious thing is, are you really deeply happy when you sit down? Like, could you sit down 
silently for an hour and just sit there and be. If you can't, then listen to those stories. Spend an hour alone and listen to the thoughts in your head that are going and going and going. Are you thinking about constantly what you've done wrong in your past? Are you going into regret? Are you in the future in fear? When you still yourself in the moment, it's like you can hear this cacophony swirling of these conditions around, I've got to do, I've got to be, I've got to, all of this stuff. And have a look and realize that mostly every thought that's coming in is filtered through this fear-based sense of self, which you know you can refer to the, as the ego because it's the f- survival part of us. But when we live through that part, mm-hmm. then we live a life of fear and that's what goes into that projecting reel, right? And then so that's what we see on the wall and then that's what we believe, then it goes back into the projecting reel. And so that's how people spiral out. So it's like we have to interrupt that and go, whoa, okay, so I'm not who I've done in the past. I'm not the thoughts in my head. I don't have to continue to be like this. Let me change the reel. And so I guess, and I know you've touched on this a little bit with some of your answers, but I, I think the natural transition here then is to ask, yeah, how do we, how do we break the pattern or if it is a pattern or how do we, how do we break these things, especially if they are like addictions. And I, I think, you know, a phone is a great example. Like I just mm-hmm. on them all the time and, and I'm sure they're doing, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm like it too. I do this exact same thing I immediately go to my phone in a lot of cases. I guess maybe that's a small microchasm and we use it as an example, or we could talk more generally. I'm just curious, like what's the process to actually, I guess, deal with these, these, you know, short-term stimulation or addiction? Like how do we get over it? How do we deal with it? Totally. So there's a couple of things. The first thing you have to do is people won't do anything unless they realize that it's really fucking them over. So the question really is, well, why would I want to stop getting my phone out and sitting in the toilet for an extra 20 minutes than I need to? You know, what's the big deal, Amber? Why can't I date? Why can't I just have a casual fling? Why can't I just enjoy my wine? And it's not that you can't and it's not that it's bad. It's that you're going to get to 80 years old and turn around and go, what the fuck did I do? I thought my life had meaning. You know mm-hmm. what? It felt okay. But if you're really honest with yourself, it's not. And don't settle for okay because that's not all there is. And I'm not saying you have to do anything drastic in your life. I'm talking about having a deep sense of fulfillment and peace within yourself all of the time because you have this inner connection. So the first thing I guess is to realize why you're going to do it. Otherwise you're not going to change. There's no point. So it's like, why is it important? Well, because otherwise your life's just going to be numb because Tom, we can't selectively numb. So if we're picking up our phone because we kind of feel uncomfortable because we're not, you know, we can't be still. So pick up our phone and scroll. We're not just numbing that discomfort. We're numbing the good. You can't selectively numb. It's like if you go to the dentist and they inject a numbing agent into your gums, you don't feel good. It doesn't feel amazing. You just don't feel anything. So it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. the reason that we want to do this in the first place is because otherwise you'll have a numb life. End of story. That's the bottom line. You know, if you're okay with that, then hey, that's cool. The second one is admitting or realizing, yeah, picking up my phone as soon as I wake up. I'm always on it. I stop at the traffic lights. I have to pick it up. There's always that impulse, that impulse, that impulse. And the thing is, is that we think, oh, look, it's just, I'm just scrolling through my phone. But that one habit, when done over and over again, and every single choice that you make, because we make so many choices every day, like I think it's something like 50,000. If we are never making choices from a place of conscious awareness and where it's all just conditioned and, and I guess impulsive, then that adds up into our whole life. Like, let's look at the big picture. So I'm trying to give you a view and I guess make people a little bit uncomfortable because if we're not uncomfortable, we're not going to do anything about it. So we have to, I guess, look at the future consequences. And then it's like, okay, so there's something going on here. And then honestly, this is the biggest 
and most simple thing. There's a book written by John Harry, Joe and Harry, it's called Chasing the Scream and, and he wrote it on addiction and, and it's his solution. He says that, like the solution to addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection. And so this isn't about, okay, let's just put down my phone. This is going, okay, so what am I actually, what do I need right now? What do I actually need? Why am I escaping? Why do I feel like this? Where's the impulse coming from? And the impulse comes from that constant identification to your mind because it's always wanting more. It's always doing, it's always moving. It's always ever pushing forward. It's always in a state of fear because that part of our brain is a survival part. So it's always questioning everything, analyzing everything, judging everything. That's the critic, right? So when that critic is, it seems so normal, that creates discomfort within us. It's like this kind of vibrational sense of wanting to run away. So it's like, okay, so why do I feel like that? Firstly, I'm, you know, I'm doing it. And then why do I feel like that? And then the question is, well, what do I need? Well, I just need to take a breath. If we can just breathe and in that moment, identify what the discomfort is, because generally today that this, this discomfort goes a lot deeper. It could be a sadness. It could be an anxiety. It could be, you know, because the core of that sense of self is I'm not good enough or I'm not enough or something's not enough. So it's to realize that that's an illusion and that that's a story. So it really is taking responsibility for our thoughts and the direction of our thinking and coming back and taking charge of our mind and going, you know what, what's really important? What is really important right now? And knowing that our worthiness, that our enoughness, that our success is not defined by anything external. And we can do that actually by taking a breath. Because in that moment, when we breathe, that ever going stream of thinking that's constant because that's what the mind does. It's its job or that's what the the ego wants to survive. So it'll keep on thinking. We realize that that's just thoughts. We don't have to believe them. And then that kind of gives this space between us and the thinking, which then it won't trigger us because it triggers emotion, triggers like an anxiety, right? A discomfort. And so then we breathe and that settles down and then it really dissolves away. And then we realize the impulse is no longer there. So you don't have to try and take the phone away. You don't have to try and get all the food out of your house. You don't have to not drive past the bottle on the way home. Sorry, in Australia, that's like the liquor store. <laughs> yeah, got it. Because you just don't want to. Mm-hmm. Because it's not there. That, that impulse is gone. Did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm curious, did you actually have the word that was that broken down into three specific things? Uh, probably. <laughs> Well, if you can't remember, I was just going to ask if you could, if you could repeat them, but I mean, I, I got that. I I definitely can. So the first one, well, you have to realize why you want to. It's really about getting yourself a little bit uncomfortable mm-hmm. because we never change when we feel comfortable. We just yep. don't. So it's, it's realizing that it's admitting that it's seeing that and going, you know what? I fucking deserve more. I want more from my life. I want not from a place of lack, but from a place of like, this is our life. So you know, there's a one in 400 trillion chance that you're born. Mm. Like that's massive. So it's really identifying that. And then it's admitting, okay, having a look at my behaviors. If you wrote down everything you did in 72 hours, you would be surprised how much of that time is taken up by the seven Fs. And I mean like overworking because you're coming from a place of lack included in that. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, getting in your head and not getting out of bed and going, to the gym and, and training because your ego is telling you you're not good enough or it's giving you excuses about, you know, all of these stories. So it's, it's all of that kind of stuff, unconsciously eating and, and whatever. So you'd have a look. So it's going and having a look. Most people have like 80% of their life is this escape behavior. It's crazy, mm-hmm. even more. So it's looking at it and then it's going, okay, so what can I do? And that vulnerability 
Tom, that connection with yourself. And when I say vulnerability, it's opening up and going, you know what, I'm a human being because that sense of self, that false identity, which I've Mm -hmm. said is probably the most addictive thing and the most impulse, like that creates that deep impulse and that, I guess that negativity or that lack within us, it is always, it's always in a place of lack. It is always going to be this and it always wants to be perfect because its core goal is to be loved and to be good enough and to try and find ways to do that. So, you know, we know that we're not going to be good enough. So it's knowing that that perfect sense of self that we try and project to the world, it's very narcissistic, that part of us. So when we can be vulnerable and open up and go, you know what, I don't always have it together. I have good and bad traits. I have half and half. And we show up as ourselves vulnerable and human and that's what makes us whole we're imperfectly perfect. So when we can do that, that's that self-connection and we can breathe and do that and take that time and the impulse dissolves away. So they're, they're probably the three steps. Awesome. I love it. So, okay. So I want to talk about the vulnerability piece um, because mm-hmm. I hear it and it sounds like a buzzword in a lot of ways. So totally like, is. <laughs> what, like, what really is it and how does it actually work? Yeah, absolutely. So as I was saying, that part of our mind wants to be perfect. It wants to always have its shit together. It wants to be seen as always, you know, its desire is to always be good enough, but it never feels good enough. So it's in, you know, it's a toxic cycle. When we show up, just think of it like a casual conversation. If someone pointed at you and said, Tom, you're a purple elephant with yellow spots. How do you feel about that? I'd be pretty neutral. Yeah, because you're not and you know it, right? Sure. <laughs> Whereas if I said, mm, Tom, you know that? Thing that you do like when we hang out and you, you're always you know you're always tapping it just seems that you're like you're really not present right how would you feel about that and just pretend just pretend you do have that habit right because we've never hung out like that and you've never done that but just pretend <laughs> right. that you do have that habit how would you right. feel yeah i would uh i would i would uh i'd feel maybe guilty or or uh mm-hmm. i don't know maybe shamed or something like that depending on how bad it is i guess exactly so you tr- shame is triggered because mm-hmm. you're thinking oh my god i'm wrong or i did something wrong which is guilt so i'm wrong is shame i did something wrong guilt uh, Brené Brown teaches that. But if you just looked at me and you went, yeah, you knew what? I'm not present. Thanks. You know, and then you could decide that in that moment, like you could then personally decide, you know what? I want to change that. Or you could just own it. And you're like, you know what? I'm not. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Then h- how does that feel? Yeah, I guess I would probably feel like improvement. Improvement. <laughs> so it's, it's more like you're like, yeah. You're right. And if you acceptance. own it and you're vulnerable, you're like, yeah, exactly. It's acceptance. And, and, and it's like you've opened up. You're like, yeah, you know what? I'm not perfect. It's about being okay with being imperfect. Mm-hmm. And so that's a really, that's just a very like subtle example. If we use something like say that I have a good friend, Ronsley, and he hates it when I'm late, like hates it, like he despises it. If I, if I rock up late, like sometimes he'll just leave. And <laughs> if he says to me, Amber, that's rude. And if I'm like, no, 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 like, it's because it's, but if I'm like, you know what, you're right. And sometimes I am late and it is really rude. Instead of me shaming and going to this spiral, mm. if I own it, then it leaves room for this improvement. It leaves, it leaves this space, it leaves this vulnerability and it's very empowering. And then another thing might be from my perspective, right? So people look up to me and I try to be so human to them and be like, I'm not above you. I'm not any better than you. And so if I'm struggling one day, if I'm having a, you know, if I'm having a down day and I can't really explain why, 
I'll be honest about that and be like, you know what? I'm just feeling like this instead of being like, no, I'm always amazing. And I'm always positive and everything's always okay. It's like, you know what? It's not. And I don't always have my shit together. And I don't really know what I'm doing all the time. Because if I was to tell the world, think of this on a, I guess, a big scale. If I was to tell the world that I always have my shit together and that they always have to be, you know, just always change your mindset, take responsibility, you know what, change your state. People are going to feel pressure because that's, it's impossible. Whereas if you're okay with being human and you're okay with not being okay and you're okay with emotions and feeling and processing, that's a deep state of empowerment and inner peace because that gives you an opportunity to work through things and evolve. But if you're trying to hide parts of yourself that you don't like or parts of yourself that aren't perfect, you will always feel insecure and shame about everything that you do mm. because you'll feel like you're just a fraud because you are. You're trying to be someone you're not. So it sounds like, I don't, I don't want to simplify this to the point of, of missing the point, but it sounds like a big part of that is, is taking ownership over mm-hmm. who we are, what we are at this point in time and, and the actions. That seems like a big part of it. Am, am I, is that correct? Yeah, totally. It's responsibility, but I guess mm-hmm. also a major practice. We've most of us are lived with the internal dialogue that it's not okay to not have your shit to go. It's not you. We have to be successful. We always have to achieve and all that kind of stuff. So that ever criticizing pressure that we place upon ourselves because we've listened to that voice. Mm-hmm. So it's awareness of that that it's there. Yeah, and then the practice because this is a constant practice. This is not going to happen overnight. You have the opportunity to practice this in every moment for the rest of your life. So this isn't about all right, change your mindset and you're failing if you don't do this and if you're not vulnerable. No, because you're going to go back to old patterns. That's cool. That's what we're here for. We're here to learn. Just do it. Just do you. Just do the best you can. So, you know, people get caught up and they think, oh my God, you know, I wasn't being vulnerable and then their ego shames them about not being vulnerable. So it's taking responsibility, Tom, but it's also really practicing being still and seeing why you feel uncomfortable and having a look at the stories around you know, perfection and not being good enough that are running through your head, identifying them and then counterbalancing them, being like, no, you know what? That's okay. It's okay that this and this and this and this and this, that I don't have the perfect body or I'm not. It, it's really practicing vulnerability and honesty with yourself and the world around you about being human. I love it. I, I think it's a powerful message. So what I want to do actually now is transition to where people can find out more about you, where they can get the book. And I, I honestly, I think probably a book is a really good place for people to start, but also your blog and everything else that you have going on where people can find out more about this. If they're interested in this topic that you, you know, that you dive into with your platform, your YouTube channel, your blog, your podcast, where can they find you and reach you? Yeah. Awesome. So amberhawken.com, everything is there. And so Hawken is H-A-W-K-E-N. You can order the book from there. You can connect to the podcast. You can connect to the blog and the videos from there. If you're on iTunes, it's be unfuckwithable. So you can search that or search Amber Hawk and I'm sure I'll pop up. Same on YouTube. It's be you for short because that stands for just being you, right? So it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a double meaning. That's the best place to find me. Everything's at Amber Hawk and if you don't want to kind of go to different places, I send my mailing list free stuff every week that all my free content. So it's not spam. It's always just my free stuff. Awesome. Perfect. Well, I'll make sure that's in the show notes. And Amber, I just appreciate you being with us today and sharing some of your insights into this. I think it's good stuff. I'm excited for the book. And I think when this podcast releases, it will be out. So definitely for those who are interested, pick it up now, get it on Amazon and definitely let Amber and I know what what you think of it. I'd love to hear what people think if they dive into this and that they have any feedback. But Amber, thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate it. Honestly, thanks for having me, Tom. Thank you. Absolutely. My pleasure. 
Thank you for listening to In the Trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join the resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorkis.com. Never fight alone. Join the resistance.